Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman, and we're here to talk about week three. Indiana faces Louisville, uh, the Louisville Cardinals at Lucas Oil Stadium at noon on Saturday. Uh, game will be televised on btn i'll be broadcast on the iu radio network all over the state and nationally um on sirius xm radio indiana's coming into the game one and one uh after a 41-7 win over indiana state louisville enters the contest at two and oh having beat georgia tech in week one in atlanta at uh, mercedes-benz stadium and then beating Murray State last week at home in Jeff Brown's home opener. Um, a lot to a little. I think it was 62 or 65 nothing um, there at, at uh, what was formerly Papa John Stadium. But we bring in TJ Inman. Uh, TJ, quickly, um, we've beaten this, this horse to death. Quickly, what were your impressions from Indiana State? Uh, I think that the defense kind of backed up what we saw against Ohio State in that this is a much improved defense. Uh, only gave up, you know, 21 total passing yards, uh, only three completions surrendered throughout the day, just 93 yards of total offense for Indiana State. Um, so, you know, across the board, really good performance from the defense. Um, and then offensively, you know, hard to take much from the Indiana State you know game because so physically overmatched uh, against Indiana but I do think that you saw some encouraging things from the offense um, good performances individually from guys like Omar Cooper uh, that you know speak well to what IU's offense could do moving forward and of course, the the headline is, hey, you know, what is that quarterback competition going to look like after this game? And turns out we have our answer. Taven Jackson named the starter moving forward by Tom Allen um, at Monday's press conference, and that largely coming out of how he performed during these two games and and against Indiana State. Uh, and I, I think you. You know, you saw it wasn't that Brendan Sorsby played poorly against Indiana State, but the offense clicked just a little bit better with Taven Jackson as the signal caller. Um, so yeah, kudos to, to the coaching staff. I think that they handled a pretty difficult situation with two very young quarterbacks with limited game experience. I think they handled it pretty well, getting them split reps for the first two games and now deciding on, okay, Taven's our guy. We evaluated them in game situations as best we could. Let's roll. Uh, I, I don't fault the decision. I don't fault the process. 
I think it ended up with a, an outcome that is very understandable. Um, overall, pretty good execution from Indiana and about what you look for. A lot of guys played. Uh, you got to see some some different things that, you know, again, you were overmatched against Ohio State, so you were very conservative. Indiana overmatched Indiana State, so hard to take too much from it, but it was exactly what you would hope to get out of that game, and now you've got a starting quarterback decision uh, that has been made as we turn the page to one of the biggest games of the season against Louisville. Yes, uh, Taven Jackson was named the starter uh, on Monday afternoon during uh, Tom Allen's press conference, weekly press conference. I, I, I think you're correct. I, the offense just seemed to move a little bit smoother with him. Um, you know, he's 18 of 21, which is, you know, it's Peyton Ramsey type completion percentage uh, in the 80s, uh, 236 yards. He probably should have had a touchdown. It was waved off of, uh, you know, with Zach Carpenter wandering downfield a little bit too far. But it looked like he had gotten comfortable in that job and, and commanded the offense a, a little bit better. You saw the, the second half lull with Soresby in when they, they had um, Brandon Soresby in a quarterback in the second quarter. Uh he didn't play poorly at nine of 16 for 108 yards, but it, it was just that little bit of a difference um, that, that probably won Taven the job. Right. I don't think you're done seeing Brandon Soresby uh, for this season. I think you're going to see both of the guys. You also saw Taven go down for, even though it was a play, you know, everybody held their breath a little bit. Uh, when Taven Jackson went down, had to sit out of play, and, and Brandon Sorsby came in and completed, I think it was a 20-something yard pass uh, right off the bat. He, you know, he throws a good ball. Uh, he can run as well. So, you know, you should feel comfortable. IU fans, you got two guys who could run the offense and run the offense pretty efficiently. Uh, outside of that, injury news will come out two hours before kickoff, so 10 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, things to keep an eye on there. Is Cam Camper going to be back, and is EJ Williams going to be back? Uh, those are two guys you want for the Louisville game. We'll see. I'm more confident in Cam Camper coming back than EJ Williams for the game, but we'll see. That's why they have the availability report. So uh, check back with Hoosier Huddle at 10 a.m. TJ, moving on to Louisville, we've labeled this the most important game of the season. Um long before, you know, the season has, has kicked off. They're playing in Indianapolis. You're going to have a lot of alumni there in person. This might be one of the only games that they, they go and see. It's important to perform well, but it's also one of seven toss-up games. And, you know, if you look around the Big Ten, um, you know, Illinois didn't look impressive at Kansas in the loss. Wisconsin went out and lost to, to Washington State last week. Um, you know, Michigan State's going through uh, some transition there with Mel T Tucker is, is suspended. He might not be employed by the time IU uh, plays Michigan State uh, there as well. Maryland didn't look impressive against uh, Charlotte. And then, you know, it just – there's a lot of things on the table for IU, and it starts with this Louisville game. Uh, how important is this game? 
certainly massive. Number one, you're playing a, a you know a school that is we're not going to call them a rival because surprisingly they've only played twice uh, in in history, 1985 and 1986, with IU uh, winning both while Howard Schnellenberger was the head coach for the Cardinals um, and Bill Mallory obviously coaching in Indiana. Um, you know, you would think they've played more than that, but just twice. So it's not technically a rival, but geographically it is. Uh, it is one of those matchup games where on paper, it is a similarly talented team. I think that Louisville has more overall team speed and athleticism, uh, but Indiana, you know, is not bereft of that. It's not one where IU is going to be totally overmatched, or at least they shouldn't be. Um, and, and from a, you know, just optics standpoint, Jeff Brom, uh, taking that Louisville job, it's his first season there. So you've, you've got that connection with Brom coming from Purdue. So there's some familiarity there. Um, and just the math, I mean, you're Indiana, you know what the goal is. It's six wins. You've got one and you know that, and you've got Akron next week, uh, which, you know, Akron struggled mightily against Morgan State this past Saturday. That looks like a game you definitely should win. Uh, there was some buzz preseason about Akron being a tough out. And, I, you know, it's not one you just write off immediately, but it's one I you should win. So that should be number two. Um, and you look around at the rest of the schedule, you see opportunities to get to six. And Louisville's one of those opportunities. It's a, a non-conference game against a similarly matched foe, and those are massive when you have games against Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan on the schedule that you, by and large, can can write down in pen as a loss. Uh, so this is a big game from the optics standpoint. It's a big game from just the logistics of getting to six wins. Um, and it's a, it's a really big game because if IU can go out on, you know, a pretty big stage at Lucas Oil Stadium, um, they can go out and get a win over Louisville, over Jeff Brom, who is a team that people are talking about for, you know, nine or ten wins this season based on their schedule. And it's a game that for them, Indiana has been penciled in as a victory on their way to nine or ten wins. And they've really not done anything necessarily to, to change that in their first two games. But if you can go out there, put together a really good performance and find a way to win this game, all of a sudden the momentum with this program is right back. And all of the Tom Allen on the hot seat talk, which we're not going to get into for several reasons, which we have discussed previously ad nauseum, uh, but all of that goes away. And the national narrative completely changes on where the Indiana program is at. And it flips to, wow, look at what a great job that coaching staff did with all those transfers. Look at how impactful guys like Andre Carter have been coming into that program. Guys like Linnell Carr, guys like Taven Jackson coming in from the transfer portal. And you, you start to get a different vibe surrounding the program. And then you get a chance to back it up against Akron, and you could find yourself sitting at 3-1. and one. Uh, So it's a major, major opportunity, one that IU is going to have to play very well to take advantage of, but I do think Louisville is beatable. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And, and watching the first two games, I'll go back and watch them again. Uh, three things, you know, you wrote about it in your Know Your Opponent that's uh, uh, up on the website today. Uh, their speed is 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 a problem. Uh, I, I think that yeah. their skill talent's very good. And that's where kind of IU struggles on defense is with speed on the edge. Now, if Indiana could set the edge, I don't think Louisville's offensive line is great. Um, you know, you, you've seen Indiana in the past game against elite receivers, shut down guys like uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Mecca Buka, and Julian Fleming in Ohio State. So you would think that they should be able to, you know, contain uh, guys like Jamari Thrash and, and things like that. Um, but the speed scares you. Uh, Louisville's defense, yep. it's just – you know, giving up 28 points in a quarter to Georgia Tech is is not great, uh, but it was the opener. We'll see what they could do. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they did pretty well against Murray State, but again, it's an FCS team. Uh, just like people are hesitant to give IU credit against Indiana State, it's what can you take away from Murray State. And then, of course, Jeff Brom is uh, was four and one against IU um, as the head coach of Purdue. You know, four and two overall uh, with with his loss at Western Kentucky. So there's going to be a lot of familiar familiarity uh, there against Tom Allen. Uh, however, Indiana has a new defensive coordinator. They've you know kind of changed the scheme just a little bit, and and maybe it's more towards that. Um, you know, 2020 defense, which we didn't see play Purdue, but it's it's a game where Indiana's entering it as a 10 point underdog, and you I immediately went okay, I'll take Indiana and the points. Thank you very much. I think Indiana's defense is is a lot better than people give them credit for, at least nationally. And if they could get to Jack Plummer, who's thrown two picks already, um. It, you know, Indiana's defense could could come up big here and and negate that speed a little bit. What what's your take on Louisville? Yeah, Plummer's actually thrown three interceptions so far, um, so that's an interesting uh, wrinkle there. He threw uh, two against Murray State, one against Georgia Tech. So, um, I I think that. Number one for the defense, you mentioned it. It's that team speed of Louisville. And you have to remember, this is a team that can run the ball really effectively, too. Yep. Uh, part of that team speed is Jawar Jordan, who right now is averaging 16 and a half yards a carry on 14 carries. So he's touched the ball as a running back 14 times, gained 231 yards, and has three touchdowns. Um, that's, I don't care who you're playing, that's good. That's, that's really effective. So he's a problem uh, for Indiana's defense. You cannot let Jawar Jordan get loose in the open field. Uh, if he gets to that second level of your defense, he's probably going to turn it into a really big game. Number two, Indiana, yes, we, we know what the passing attack for Jeff Brom typically looks like. Jack Plummer, not a threat to beat you with his legs, but is a threat to beat you with quick passes to the wide receivers, which then allows them to make plays after the catch. Uh, and they did some good work in the transfer portal. Jamari Thrash, former 
Sunbelt wide receiver. He's their leading wide out right now. 10 catches, 170 yards, and again, three touchdowns for Thrash. So those are kind of the two primary weapons. They do have some other good ones as well. Um, I, Kevin Coleman and then Isaac Garendo, who is an Indiana native, transfer from Wisconsin, uh, good secondary threats as well. But overall, I mean, this is a, it's a really good offense that IU is going to have their hands full with. And the first thing they have to do is contain that team speed, um, throw off the timing of the passing attack by pressuring Plummer, forcing him off of his spots, and you can make some mistakes or he force him into some mistakes. Uh, and then number two, win guys like Thrash, Garendo, uh, Jawar Jordan, when you have a chance to bring him down, you've got to do it. Because if they get a chance into the open field because they've broken a tackle or you have a poor angle uh, in pursuit, it's going to be a problem for your defense. So that's what immediately jumps out. As I look at the other side of the ball, something that I was a little bit surprised by reviewing this opponent, Louisville so far, despite playing a Georgia Tech team that's not a great offensive team, and despite playing Murray State, only two stacks in total, um, and not very many tackles for a loss either. Um, that's that's surprising to me, and it, it could be indicative of scheme. Uh, only seven tackles for loss total, two sacks. So that could be indicative of scheme. It could be indicative of personnel as well. They might not have the difference makers on defense. They did lose uh, a couple of high sack total guys uh, after this past season and, and maybe have not replaced them at quite that same level. So, you know, an opportunity for Indiana's offensive line uh, in a, you know, a showcase game for them to show uh, that they really are improved. They have looked better, obviously, these these two games. There were some really impressive holes for IU's running backs to, to go through against Indiana State, but that's the Sycamores. You know, this is a legitimately strong ACC offensive or defensive line that IU's going to be battling against here. But I, I think it's interesting to note not a very high uh, disruption or havoc rate for this defense something that they had a lot of in 2022 they haven't shown it yet so a potential weakness for IU to exploit there um, I, I do think that that's going to be one of the keys here is the Indiana offensive line giving Taven Jackson a clean pocket to operate and allowing the running backs uh, to, to kind of control this game and no doubt IU is going to want to control the tempo of this game and keep Louisville's offense uh, off the field as much as they can. Yeah, another thing in there is you, you hope Indiana gets Kobe Miner back, who I think missed the game on Friday night with an illness. Uh, hopefully he's yeah. healthy and back uh, just to give you some depth at that uh, at that corner position. Plus, he was pretty darn good against Ohio State. TJ, let's talk about keys to the game. You already mentioned controlling the tempo, controlling the pace, and – I, I would think that the casual IU fan starts, you know, having PTSD about how they played against Ohio State. Um, I agree with you. I do think that controlling the game and controlling the pace is a key to the game. You have to limit the amount of possessions that Jeff Brom gets, um, but you also have to be aggressive. And this could be a game where you just have to outscore your opponent, uh, you know, if you're IU. 
We've seen Tom Allen do that before against Jeff Brom teams in 2019. They just they had to outscore Purdue in double overtime. Um, so maybe they slow it down in terms of running the ball, but also taking a little bit more time in between plays and things like that. I thought they did a good job of that against Indiana State. Uh, Indiana held the ball for 36 minutes and 28 seconds. Uh, which is significant. Yes, Indiana State scored on a fumble return, but that's what you have to do. You have to, you know, get those quick hitting passes out, move the chains, get first downs, um, get your explosive plays, but also kind of slow it down at the line of scrimmage and take those extra seconds where where you can um, and not just play hurry-up offense all the time. But you have to avoid playing the snail's pace offense that they played against uh, Ohio State because you're not going to win this game 17-10 or, you know, 17-13 or 10-7. This is going to be – Louisville is going to put up points uh, in some shape or form, I believe, and Indiana is going to have to be aggressive on offense too. But you do want to limit possessions for, uh, for Jeff Brom and his offense. How do you see IU – uh, doing limiting possessions for Illinois or for Louisville. Yeah, I think you make a really good point about needing to stay aggressive on offense. There needs to be a fine balance. They acknowledged after the Ohio State game, Walt Bell did specifically uh, that he quote pitter pattered too long, um, and that was apparent while watching the game. Uh, you know, there's there's a fine line between being conservative and not giving yourself a chance to compete. And Indiana has to find that, that line, be aggressive on offense while also maintaining that tempo. And one of the best ways to do that is my other key to the game. IU has to be the more physical team up front and they've got to win the battle in terms of the run game. Um, If, if you Jeff Brom and his offense if the run game is successful, it makes it nearly impossible to defend their passing game uh, because of the the structure that that offense has with quick hitters on slants and then also the speed they have to take the top off the defense. And if you are unable to stop the run with your front seven and you've got to start creeping guys from the secondary down the, or up the field into the box, it's a major problem to defend those Louisville receivers and Jack Plummer, while not great, he is good enough to make you pay if you have to do that. So Indiana has got to be the more physical team Louisville right now, averaging 7.32 yards per carry in total rushing the ball. Now, some of that is garbage time, you know, carries and and some of that is uh, a couple of carries here and there by backup quarterback However, this is a very good rushing attack with Jawar Jordan and Isaac Garendo um, that Indiana has got to do a better job than Louisville does in the running game. I use one of their strengths on offense is that running back trio of Christian Turner, uh, Henderson, and Lucas. They need to have a good afternoon in Lucas Oil Stadium make some big plays, but also keep the Indiana offense on schedule and win that running battle against Louisville. That's one of the best ways to maintain your tempo without just being super conservative uh, is, is 
by winning that rushing battle. So that's a, a huge key for me in a big way that IU can, can win tempo, uh, win the time of possession battle, but also stay aggressive on offense. And it's just staying on schedule on offense by running the ball effectively. Exactly right. Indiana had 17 explosion plays last week. I believe nine of them came on the ground, uh, which are, yep. you know, when you're talking about explosion plays, it runs over 10 yards and passes over 15 yards. So if you're running the ball at 10 yards a clip, sometimes, yeah, those are those chunk plays that now with the clock running on first downs, that short, you know, shortens the game a little bit, takes time off the clock, limits possessions for the opponent, while also not slowing the game down for for Indiana, but you know, creating those second and manageables and third and manageables and things like that. Looking at um, special teams, TJ, it, it's kind of been an issue for Indiana the first two weeks. Um, there's been some great things like James Evans. Uh, the field goal kicking has been better than expected. And I thought that was a big thing right. coming out of Indiana State. You got uh, both Chris Freeman and Nico Radicic on the field to kick field goals and extra points. But these penalties have to stop. Um, Tom Allen yeah. called them stupid in the post game. Um, like legitimately angry at at the special teams penalties against Ohio State. You had the penalties on the the kick returns and punt returns, which took IU out of some decent field position looks and, and moved them back inside the you know fifteen ten yard line um, uh, of their own you know in their own territory, which did not do the offense any favors. You cannot do that against Louisville. Uh, you know th- their speed is pretty good; it's better than Indiana State. So you're going to put it, be put into more you know situations where you could hold or have to block in the back, um, you know, and, and things like that. But the the running into the punters and the, the roughing the punters, that can't happen um, on Saturday. When you get a Jeff Brom offense to punt, you have to get that ball back. You cannot give him second chances. That goes on fake punts too. Jeff Brom will pull stuff out of the bag, flea flickers, fake punts. We've seen it all at Purdue. Um so nobody should be surprised if Jeff Brown pulls out some trick plays on on Saturday. But the special teams ha- – you cannot make special teams mistakes uh, against Louisville. You cannot give them second chances. You cannot leave points on the field. In in the field goal game, you cannot kick kickoffs out of bounds and give them a free 10 yards uh, of field position as well. This, this is an offense that, you know – they could look really bad for the first two downs and then facing third and long hit a big hitter and they're right back in business and they go down and score and, and you're left there scratching your head going, what, what happened? So that to me is, is key. Number three is it's, you've got to play clean on special teams. Uh, you also have to probably win the special teams battle in terms of return yards. Um, and field goal kicking and punting and field position and all that. Even though Jeff Brown could, its offense could score from anywhere on the field, make them go, you know, 80 plus yards instead of 65, 60 or 50 yards or something like that. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that is very true. And you mentioned special teams, James Evans, 
Uh, as of right now, and it is very early, but as of right now, James Evans leading the country in yards per punt. Uh, so, you know, kudos to him uh, and kudos to you. You talked often this offseason about how good James Evans uh, was looking and how how good of a season he had had previously. And um, that has come to fruition so far through two games. He is a weapon for Indiana as long as IU can stop with the penalties that can become a really uh, effective phase of the game for the Hoosiers. So, um, you know, you're, you're definitely spot on there. Um, kind of my, my final key to the game before we get to predictions and we've, we've stayed away from the obvious so far, but um, I, I really think that Taven Jackson getting the nod, he's now the starting quarterback this is a massive game. He knows it's a massive game. He's from the Indianapolis area. Um, it, it's really important for him to play within himself and let the game come to him while also going out there knowing that there's going to be some spots in the game where he's got to go make plays. Um, this is not going to be a game, most likely, that IU can just you know get through with oh, hey, there's 11 for 14 for 95 yards passing. That's that's probably not going to get it done. They're going to need some big plays from the offense. They're going to need some big plays from Taven Jackson. Um, it's important that he toes that line between making those plays and forcing it and trying to do too much on the big stage. Um, so a bit obvious there, but true nonetheless. Indiana needs a really good performance from Taven Jackson, whether he's ready or not. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I think Brandon Sorcey is still in the battle for, for QB one is can Taven Jackson take care of the ball? And that that's, you saw last year with Connor Basilak couldn't do it. And, you know, he was throwing picks, fumbling sacks, all that stuff. Now, some of it wasn't his fault. Some of it was, uh, but Taven Jackson has got to take care of the ball you, you want him to take chances, like you said, but you also don't want him throwing into triple coverage, um, taking unnecessary risks and, and and things like that, or trying to to run for a first down when he probably should throw it or throw it away. Um, but it, so far, he's done that pretty well. Uh, you know, he he's made the right decision, he's made the right read, and he's played like you said, played within himself. Uh, the the yeah. offense, the only turnover the offense has had the first two games was the Jalen Lucas fumble that got returned for touchdown. And really, there hasn't been many passes that were close to being intercepted. There may be two or three. Um, but, you know, each of those quarterbacks did a good job of taking, you know, taking the calculated risk. And you're right, that has to happen. IU has to take care of the ball. And you know, there'll probably be a lot of center Grove uh, people there to watch Taven, especially being named the starter. He's played at Lucas Oil before in high school in the state championship game. Um, it, it's There's a lot for a young quarterback to get super hyped up about and overthrow a few passes early uh, before he gets settled in. So hopefully Walt Bell understands that and the offense understands it. I thought they did a great job last week of, you know, his first pass is a little swing pass out to Jalen Lucas, um, yeah. you know, and then another one to Cam Camper, and they played within the offense and got it moving. 
and Jalen Lucas takes it in for a touchdown. That's something that I know we've been dying for this offense to do is make, get those easy throws to ease your quarterback into the game, get, you know, have Jackson get his sea legs under him and then you could start opening it up. And I think they did a great job of that against uh, Indiana state. Now you're going to up the opponent and see if they could do it against Louisville too. Uh, TJ, let's get to predictions. Yeah, so I'm prefacing this by saying that I, I'm expecting Cam Camper to play, and I believe that that is a big deal. Uh, I mean, you saw some of the plays that he was able to make and make it clear that he was healthy, and I think that him being out of the game on Saturday or on Friday night was more precautionary in the second half than anything else, um, I hope. So uh, I'm prefacing this with Cam Camper is going to play, uh, and if that is the case and IU is otherwise healthy, which as far as we know, uh, you know, outside of EJ Williams, we, we think that that is an accurate statement. So if that remains to be the case, I am predicting an Indiana victory here. I think that IU's defense will be the best unit on the field out of the four. Uh, and I think that IU does clean those special teams penalties up and gets the edge there as well. Uh, so, Look, Louisville's going to put up some points. I get that. Uh, but I'm going with Indiana to win this game in a, a close one uh, that is a nerve-wracking affair for all of us, knowing what's on the line here. But IU wins it. I'm going to go 27-21 Hoosiers. Is there any other way for IU to win a football game other than nerve-wracking? Oh, yeah, I'm asking for a friend because I don't think there is. Unless, uh, unless we play Indiana State every week, then no. Yeah, um, I agree. I think Indiana. I think it's an easy, easy money bet if you're betting on the game at Indiana plus ten. That line really hasn't moved since last night either, um, and, and I'm okay with being the heavy underdogs and people not talking about oh, Indiana and all that yeah. stuff because yeah. I think that's that's where this team thrives. It's going under the radar, not being talked about, being underestimated, and things like that. This is the best defense Louisville is going to play play so far this year. Um, they really haven't gotten off to the, the fast starts um, that you would expect with an explosive offense. If Indiana's defense could start fast, uh, Indiana's going to win the game. I, I think their offense could put up enough points and that these defense is going to be disruptive enough to, um, to to stop Louisville. That Louisville has not played a guy like Andre Carter. They've not played a defensive line like Indiana's, and that offensive line really hasn't been that, that impressive uh, to me uh, against two, two opponents who are kind of uh, inferior opponents in Murray State and um, – and and Georgia Tech. However, they get the ball out quick. They've only given up one sack, uh, and they've only right. given up four tackles for loss. So Indiana's defense has to be ready to get up there and make a play. I think this is the fastest defense Indiana has had in a couple of years. You have guys like Jacob Magnum Perara. You have um, Aaron Casey who could read plays well as well. I'm going to go Indiana 31 uh, Louisville 24. I, I think it's a pretty comfortable win uh, for Indiana in terms of point spread. 
Um, but it's going to come down to, you know, the, the last couple couple minutes, as always, with Indiana against Power 5 teams. But I'm going to go IU 31, Louisville 24. Uh, TJ, final thoughts on this week? Yeah, I, I apologize to everyone. The optimism is back. The hopes are back. And I apologize for hurt feelings that will uh, that will happen as a result. You know, I, I'm sorry. We, we just can't help it. Um, and we will either be called homers or not optimistic enough or, look, I get it. The most important thing for Indiana to do in this game outside of obviously scoring more points, the most important thing for Indiana to do is to play within themselves because I, I firmly believe that this team, without doing anything exceptional, just playing a really solid game, I think they are good enough to beat this Louisville team. If they just play a really solid, fairly mistake-free game, I think they can beat Louisville. If they can avoid the crippling mistakes that you know we've, we've seen against Power 5 opponents so often. And that could be penalties, that could be turnovers, that could be you know, open passes down the field for big plays that get overshot or get dropped. Uh, it could be blown coverages that lead to, you know, in this case, Jawar Jordan turning a 10-yard run into a 75-yard run uh, to change the complexion of the game. If IU can avoid mistakes like that and play within themselves, they are good enough without being exceptional, without making any unbelievable plays, they are good enough to get this done. And I think it's important for IU to know that, go out there and put a good game forward. The one thing I'd be shocked by is I'd be shocked if Indiana went out and had a, you know, lackluster, uh, no energy type of game. Um, you know, we, we've seen those before in big games where IU just gets their doors blown off and don't look at all prepared or, or didn't look like they were ready to show up. I, I really don't think that's going to be the case. I think that there is a different level of veteran leadership on this team uh, from guys like Andre Carter uh, that, that have come in and, and really helped pivot the culture quickly, which can happen with the transfer portal now, to, to one that is ready for this kind of game. Indiana might not win. Louisville might just be better. But I really would be shocked if it's because IU just doesn't show up. Um, and if if that ends up happening, then we'll have a much different conversation on our next podcast about where things are headed from there. Uh, but here's to hoping that it's a it's a fun Saturday on a big stage at Lucas Oil Stadium and one that results in a, in a huge win for IU. Yeah, I, I, that's one of the another good thing that came out of that Indiana State game was, at least to me, yeah, you had that lull in the second quarter, but then, yeah. you know, they they came back and stepped on their neck. How many times have we seen that lull, and then all of a sudden it's a twenty four twenty one game, and you're you're grasping for life against an FCS foe. Uh, Indiana put them out of their misery pretty quickly in the second half. Um, but that was good to see. And maybe that was a little bit of looking towards this game, um, which yeah. stinks for the Indiana State game. But it also knows that, hey, I don't think they're going to 
show up or and not show up um, on Saturday. So, you know, they've had eight days to prepare. They should be, you know, pretty fairly healthy. And you're right. You have guys like Andre Carter. Um, you have guys like Cam Camper who are going to hold people accountable. Um, the offensive line is playing better. I think this the whole operation of Indiana football right now is so much better than it was the last two years. You don't see – now you still see some mistakes, but you don't see that, okay, we come out of the kickoff and we need to burn a timeout or take a delay of game penalty or, you know, something with the play clock running down. Now, that might happen on Saturday. I don't know, but it hasn't – it didn't happen against Ohio State, and that's what I go back to. That's the, your probably, you know, your second or third best team that you're going to play. And the outside of the game plan on offense and being too conservative, the mechanics of that game were fine. And that's what gives you confidence going into the Louisville game of, hey, we've done it before. We've done it against a better opponent and all that stuff. So it's uh, – it, it's I, I feel pretty confident that you're, you're going to get the Hoosiers A game on, on Saturday. And if you bring your A game on defense, I think you – uh, and your A game on offense, special teams, I think you win this, uh, you know, fairly, fairly easily. It might be a close game, but I think you're, you're you feel pretty good about this game and going into Akron at, at two and one and, and in really good shape for the rest of the season. Now we'll see. Um, my feelings could be wrong. They've been wrong in the past. And then we're having a whole different discussion uh, next week. But anyway, Indiana, Louisville, Lucas Oil Stadium at noon on Big Ten Network. If you're heading down to Lucas Oil Stadium for the game, there's some events that I use putting on. Uh, feel free to stop by, say hello, um, and, and just enjoy your time. Uh, it's it's indoors, cushion seats, working bathrooms, no scoreboard gap. There, there's no excuse not to not to go to this game. Uh, if you're an IU fan, they've been dying for a, a game at Lucas Oil. I, you know, every November with Purdue, now's a chance to to show why it, it should be moved to Lucas Oil. So keep coming back to HoosierAuto.com. We'll have lots more coverage of Indiana-Louisville heading into the game on Saturday. Uh, we'll take a deep dive into statistics. We'll look at the takeaway belt and all that stuff. TJ, thanks for joining us today. Uh, have a great rest of the week. Yep, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.